Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. It is mid-June. This is episode 11. My guest for this special podcast is Super Dre, also known as Andrea Wallace. She might be best known as a musician, an extremely popular DJ, but underneath the thousands of appearances in clubs and private parties all around the world, Dre has quietly spent the majority of her time as a tech-savvy entrepreneur in the startup space with a stable of startups under her management. If that's not enough, Dre most recently launched a spirits company with her partners called Motu Vijay, and they just released a new sparkling wine that's already making waves in bars, restaurants, and will soon be on Meyer shelves and other retailers, really taking sparkling wine by storm. And uh, Dre doesn't pull any punches in this conversation, um, especially about what it's like to be a female and a minority in the very white very male world ecosystem of startups and venture capital. If you're looking for a conversation with somebody that inspires you to find more hustle and drive each day, even though you don't feel like you have any idea what you're doing, then uh, this episode's for you. Dre says a lot of the early development and pitches of startup ideas and startup companies is just all guessing and conjecture. So dip a toe in the pool. Don't let anything stop you. Um, this is great. I love Dre. She's been a, a friend uh, and also somebody that uh, I've worked on a couple projects. She's been subjects of a couple different video projects I've had. And I've always wanted to photograph her. This is the first time I photographed Dre. And uh, she did not disappoint. So check out uh, the portraits and some video clips on our new website called fullexposurepodcast.com. It is a awesome website. Did I go into that last time? Yes, I did, but I just want you to check out this website. It's one-stop shopping. It has all the portraits we shot, has a bio of each guest. It also has video clips, so you can see our conversation. Um, it's pretty great, and so is this episode with Dre. So uh, without further ado, this episode is brought to you by Brian Kelly Photography and Film and Brian Kelly Productions. If you are interested in sponsoring this podcast, we're ready to talk to you. It's been a while. Uh, we have uh, pushed off some early inquiries but because uh, we didn't know what we were doing, quite frankly. And we do. We have some ideas about our metrics and where we're at in the world. So... Um, if you're interested in uh, becoming a partner with me on this podcast and helping us do even more and more cool episodes, um, shoot me an email, brian at briankellyphoto.net. And without further ado, here is my awesome conversation with Super Dre, one of the most driven people I've met in a long time. And um, it was just fun, man. And check out her uh, dedicated episode page on Full Exposure Podcast. Dot com. Uh, coffee and yeah, you can roll. <laughs> coffee and one egg. <laughs> one egg. Yeah. How do you make the egg? Um, I made it over hard. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of nothing runny. Just not. I don't really like. I don't know. I, I don't mind sometimes person. a little bit, but I'm not a huge bread. Eater, so like yeah. I'm not like a toast dipper kind of person. Dude, I am on a super low carb <laughs> diet right now. Yeah, craving bread, and also um, everything: pasta, you potato like everything. chips. Yeah, <laughs> Any, raw potatoes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm gonna go for it. Ready to spit some hot fire? Ooh. <laughs> Let's do this. I'm actually fine now. It was a little warm during a shoot. I always forget to turn the 
air on because mm-hmm. I do the testing and then the lights are a little bit hot. And then, oh, yeah. I and then I will, of course, I have to wear a zipper sweater. So I run <laughs> a little hot in general. Yeah, you yeah you are famous for the zipper sweaters. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a thing that I can't stop. But it's because people uh, we're talking earlier about it too. Is like people only remember one thing about social media. Yeah. Like they only remember that you traveled somewhere, and then they're like, "You were gone all the time." Yeah. Like, and then I post a f- couple times about zipper sweaters. It's a brand. On. It's a brand. It, it yeah, is now. It, it is fire. <laughs> that if I could do one thing, would be more bring more zipper sweaters to the world. When really it's just a device to hide behind when you're uh, <laughs> not happy with <laughs> your body at the moment, 50 years old and yo-yoing like a professional. Um, well, we just finished the photo shoot. Do you? I mean, you've had to do a lot of photo shoots, I would imagine, over the over the years. Yeah. And do you enjoy that process of being photographed? We I'm really happy with what um, we shot, but just in general, you know like, what? I I am when I can just. When it's not for something, like, really major, it's totally fine. Like, yeah. it doesn't even bother me at all. But, like, so if you it's, must like, have been something so where we have intimidated to about get this the shot or whatever, like, yeah. then I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. usually, like, if, I, if it's something that's, like, we have to nail a shot, like, really fast, like, if it's for a magazine or something, then yeah. I'll have a friend come with me. Because I'm like, I need you to tell me if I'm holding my face weird. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not a model. Um, you need a, a crew, a posse of people. Yeah. To, like, and they'll be like, your face looks weird. Stop doing that. Yeah. I need someone to tell me. See, that would make me, that would <laughs> actually make me feel worse. And then I'm all of a sudden you're over conscious of your face. And then they're like, should I hold my cheeks like this? Yeah. And then you're frozen. And then the worst direction. Yeah. I think sometimes if I were to receive, it would be stop doing that. Yeah. Like, what, like, am doing I do- what? what am I doing? <laughs> Breathing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I need oxygen, people. Um, well, cool. You're somebody, uh, Dre, I wanted to talk to you for a long time. We go back a few years. Mm-hmm. We've done a couple of video projects together yep. for... Uh, Pure Cla- Michigan. Pure, yeah, Pure <laughs> Michigan. We did uh, Experience Grand Rapids. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. But you're always somebody I run into downtown because you're interesting because... You're, I most people might know you as this uh, Super Dre, mm-hmm. and what <laughs> who's the character of Super Dre as this uh, great DJ? Yeah, um, it's funny. Super Dre actually was just my nickname from when I was like in the fourth grade. Had nothing to do with music. <laughs> yeah, or well, a stage it did. Persona. Like, so I played music when I was when I was a kid. My mom taught us how to like play piano when we were really young. And um, once we got older, then I got into band and everything. And I started out on one instrument, and then I picked another one. And so, like, my friends would be like, oh, my gosh, you're, like, super Dre because you play all these instruments. <laughs> so then the name just kind of stuck. Yeah. And then as I got older, when I started producing music and stuff and DJing and everything, I was like, well, I should probably pick a name because I don't want people to use my real name. Right. And I was like, oh, I'll just do super Dre. Well, sense. it's perfect. <laughs> it sucks. And that, in a way, is how I... That's a good segue, although I'm jumping way ahead, is you multitasking and doing many things well is mm-hmm. really what I think uh, think that you're an entertainer and a DJ and you do music production and that type of stuff. But that's like, to me, maybe what, 5% of what you do? Um, probably like 10%. 10%. Used to be quite okay. a bit more, but yeah. now I kind of have my tentacles in, in other things. But they're all somewhat related, just... Um, it is, it's true, though. Like, usually people know 
this thing or that thing or that thing, but right. it's kind of rare that they know them all. And like, it's only been recently that I've just been kind of like, you know what? Here's the whole thing. <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> it depends how people, how you're interacting with people. Yeah. And we'll get into specifically what you do later, but the, you know, whether it's in the business world or the startup mm-hmm. world, those people might not even know you have this whole other right, music yeah. side of you. And then, you know, music people are like, what? I didn't even know that you do this or yeah, that. Yeah, I get that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what, um, all right, this is a standard, I apologize in advance, but this is a standard question. But mm-hmm. musical interests and in music growing up, like if if there's four or five things that was like, man, that shaped me when I was in high school or yeah. junior high. Um, I mean, I really... I was in band and symphony and marching band and jazz band. <laughs> so I've always been um, really, like, appreciative of, of, like, classical music, like traditional classical music um, and just instrumental music in general, I think, just because I was playing the instrument. So I really just enjoyed, like, the tone of music without people singing yeah. or, like, a lyricist or anything like that. So I've always liked instrumental music probably first. Um, then like, you know, I, I actually, I was in a band for a while too. <laughs> I played guitar in a band. <laughs> really? So like, yeah, like I really like, I, I like a wide variety of music. Um, I've always really liked jazz too. Yeah. Um, I love like instrumental hip hop, just like beats and stuff. Yeah. Um, most of the music I've heard that you've produced hasn't like sampled a lot of, uh, vocals necessarily. Mm-hmm. They tend to be a really, uh, you know, they're not all chill, but uh, uh, but that sort of a, a chill wave vibe. Mm-hmm. It's just great for it's great for the clubs, maybe as well as just having on while you're working. Like yeah, it's, it's kind of like hits that sweet spot. For yeah, me. I do a lot of like kind of like that lo-fi like kind of stuff. Yeah, that it's it's nice to have in the background, yeah. but it's like you can still groove to it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's not just overpowering and taking yeah. over all your senses, yeah. uh, and you can't have a conversation. You know, maybe that's a 50-year-old thing. It's like, uh, <laughs> I can't go to a bar now if the music's loud or if the... I mean, concerts are different, but, like, if you're just going to meet somebody for dinner or for a drink later... I think it's something that happens when you turn 30. Yeah. Because like, I find myself now, like, going out to a place, if it's insanely loud, I'm like... I you're just out. like Unless it's a club where I sure. expect it to be loud. you got to be But, important. like, if I'm going and, like, we're going to, like hang out and like talk to friends or whatever yeah. it's like the most irritating thing I i'm hate, like am i old now that yeah, i hate that? you're old speaking <laughs> of age you, how, how old are you now 36 I, 36 all right yeah so once you hit 30 it's like no i don't want to i don't want to feel strained to talk to somebody yeah but i don't i want music it just has to be at a a level that isn't competing with a, a, a you know your four top or six top of friends yeah. you know were you even thinking about DJing or were you messing around with um, uh, mixing anything on your own so, at the point? Yeah, so it's funny, like, I was making music then that I didn't, I didn't have the concept of, I mean, whatever, I was probably like 14. It's not like I had been to a club before. Right, so right. It's like, that's the kind the of stuff you... local roller rink, maybe? Yeah, that's the stuff you see yeah. on TV. I didn't really have a concept of... I knew what DJs did. I knew what they were. Like, I knew, like, a lot of, like, hip-hop DJs really at that time. So it was more, like, probably, like, DJ Premier and, like, Kid Capri and, like, Jazzy Jeff. Like, those yeah. were, when I thought of a DJ, like, as a kid, like, that's what I thought of because right. they were on MTV and stuff all the time. Sure, when they played music. Yeah, right. And videos, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's what I thought of them. But I had no concept that the music that I was making was actually, like, 
for clubs, like, because I was making house and stuff and, like, techno, but I didn't really know that that's what it was. Right. I was just making stuff that I thought was cool, <laughs> like, that I liked. And it wasn't until later that people were like, you should, like, play this stuff out. Right. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so then I learned how to DJ. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, that's a cool thing, because I think a lot of, there's something about that naivete about just doing something that you're interested in and you don't really have an end game in in mind. Is that applied to other parts of your life and businesses? There's like, you don't really know what you're doing, but yeah, I, I seldom, I don't always know how to get to where I'm going, but like, I know what I want the, like what I want the end goal to be like. I can always, cause I can picture it. Usually like once I visualize something like, like blinders are on, there is nothing that's gonna stop me from getting there. Yeah. So like I have like a laser focus like that, but in terms of getting there, I don't always know how it's gonna happen. But have you been able to? Is that something you've had early on, like even with school or other yes. types of goals outside of school that yeah. you just could focus? Yeah. Because I have a my I'm a little more of an artist scattered brain, a little bit of like a squirrel ADD. But if I really am focused on something, like nothing can pull me away from yeah. it. And that's, but you're like that. Just I've been from like the jump. that with most things. I think if you ask my parents, they would tell you the same thing. Like yeah. when I was, like if I was gonna win the science fair, like I would lock myself in the room and come up with the most elaborate possible experiment in the world, like to make sure that I won the science fair. Like I've always just kind of been like that. Where is that? Yeah. So do you know where that drive comes from? Is it about know. being competitive? Were you, uh, did you do sports? Were you competitive at all in sports? So I didn't really more- play sports. Yeah. Um, I like, I was in a lot of extracurricular activities though. Like I did dance and stuff. Like I yeah. did ballet, tap, jazz, modern dance, um, you name it. Um, that's really why I didn't have time for sports, sure. but it's not really about other people. Like, I, like there's not it's never been like oh I'm winning. trying to compete it wasn't against about this winning person against, yeah, yeah. like it's like no like I want to do like the best like thing that people have ever seen <laughs> like <laughs> even yeah as young as like because I remember things like even when I'd be like in the first and second grade like I would just throw myself into whatever project that we had and like just try to make it the most fantastic thing that any first grader has ever done. (laughs) (laughs) And what was the reward on the other side when people were like, Dre is super, like, she's super Dre. Like, what was the takeaway? Or was it just more of an exercise of, like, your brain figuring out a problem? It's like I just wanted to see if I could do it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, um, so the part of you that I really want to explore that... I don't know a lot about is just you. I know you have this whole entrepreneurial side. It's tech related. You have companies, you have a startup, you have major clients in the tech stuff. So help explain a little bit about just the landscape of your day-to-day business application of like, how do you? Yeah. Um, so I work for a company that's called Emergent Holdings, and um, the group that I'm part of is called the Business Lab. And it sounds like exactly what it is. <laughs> um, it is a lab. It's definitely an innovation lab where we're essentially trying to infuse innovation from the outside, like into the company. And that company is um, is a 
unbranded affiliate of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. So a lot of the things that we touch are healthcare related, but we also expand farther outside of that, out of the traditional, like what you think a health plan would be doing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so we meet with startups a lot. Um, a lot of my day is spent, you know, talking to people that we may have, you know, may have pitched to us, or we just might have met somewhere in the ecosystem. It could be somebody that um, a venture capital fund has kicked over to us that we can sit down and talk to to decide, like, is this something that, you know, we either want to pilot, like, some technology that they have with us with, mm -hmm. like, a small audience of people? Um, is it something we want to invest in? Is it something that we want to acquire? Is it something we want to acquire and merge with something else? Yeah. Um, is it, like, a joint venture that we want to form, you know, yeah. like a completely new business that we want to spin up? So it's, a, it's a, a wide range of work, and the work itself can end up being, you know, I could be on the phone all day. I could be, you know, in another state. A lot of the startups that we work with are not in the country. I work with a lot of folks from Tel Aviv. Um, so yeah, I mean, no day is really the same right. <laughs> on that side of the fence. And then, but this um, sort of incubator have it benefits Blue Cross Blue Shield or this other entity, unbranded mm -hmm. entity, and making it more efficient, or is it on the user experience side? Talk about like the, by when you say it helps the company, what it, to do what better or innovate better? How? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the thing that every large company is trying to figure out due to digital transformation that has pretty much destroyed like the. <laughs> Way that, yeah, everything. the way a lot of these old companies have been working for a really long time, like you just can't work like that anymore. And big companies have a, a really difficult time trying to innovate quickly. So the only way to do that is to sort of pull from the outside. Um, and I think, you know, the the two there's two big things. So one is diversification of revenue stream. Obviously, like they know you can't be in this one lane like forever. It's just not how it works, right. especially when companies like Amazon are like diversifying into everything and sure. doing an awesome job at they're it. They're even talking, <laughs> so. yeah. And they're also talking about doing healthcare stuff yeah. too, like doing their own insurance. Plans. Oh, you should have seen it's, just it's, general industry panic, like in healthcare, oh. the moment when that whole like Amazon Berkshire Hathaway, like everyone's like, oh my God, like what is about to happen? Wait, these people are going to solve what everyone hates about healthcare yeah. and cover like more people. Minutes. Yeah, and, and it'll probably be to your door and two minutes, you know, on a yeah. drone. It's just insane. So yeah, that disruption's good in some yeah. way for your business because you're thinking about how to help companies uh, fall forward through that process and not just be stagnant? Is that kind of the idea? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, so it's the not being stagnant is making sure that they don't get so disrupted that they're out of business. But to be honest, like, that's in my mind. Um, hopefully I won't get dinged for this. But, like, I'm not saying I don't care about what the company does from a revenue perspective. Of course I do because I get paid. But, sure, sure. But, like, ultimately when you're talking about healthcare, it has to be about people. Like, and it has to be about people first because the, the main time when people are interacting with an insurance company is when something has gone bad. Like, so the last yeah. thing you want to do is add to what is already a stressful situation. Yeah. It could be you just got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. You have a family member who now has a chronic disease that they're trying to manage. And totally. nobody understands how this stuff actually works. So a lot of the stuff we've been focused on is like, how do you, 
how do you become like a partner with these people to keep them healthy? Because it's cheaper for the business when you keep them healthy, and people yeah. are happier when they're yeah. healthy. It's like how do you keep them healthy? And less and be engagements a they have when they're less frustrated. Yeah, you know, like when you're already stressed to your, you know, you're already in crisis at some point, and then yeah. some blip happens, and then it's very easy to project all that on your insurer or your doctor or both. Oh, for sure. And so, yeah. No news is good news, you know, to them and to us, to be honest. Like, yeah. it's like I used to work at DTE and we used to joke, like, nobody cares about us until they flip the switch and, like, the light doesn't come on. Yeah, That's for the sure. only time people care about a utility is when something doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> or you get a bill that's really high. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Yeah, cool. So how did you evolve from, uh, did, were you interested in, did you go to college? I'm imagining you went to college, of mm-hmm. course. Where did you go? Uh, so Grand Valley is where my undergrad is from. Go Lakers. Allen <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Yeah, and I studied, uh, actually I studied business there, and I had a minor in music too, so and I then, had no idea what I was going to do with that, but business here we are. With a music minor. Here we are. <laughs> well, it's super great in business, <laughs> yeah. I guess. You know, you have to manage all those income streams. Yeah. No, I'm glad that I, that was probably like the best, smartest thing that I did was try to, like, you know, if you already know how to do like an artistic thing, it's really rare that you need somebody to tell you how to do that better. Right. Um, But what you do need to figure out is how to actually make a living off of said artistic thing. Well, (laughs) that's important because I, you know, I'm I'm an artist first. I think of myself as an artist first, uh, trying to communicate some type of story, whether it's in a photo, a single Mm -hmm. photo, or in a video production. But... um, that's a really great practical point that I think a lot of artists are so in their right brain. They're not really detail-oriented. They're not really thinking yeah. about fundamentals of business. And most artists don't know what to charge for anything. And that's nobody's yeah. fault. It's just, you know, it's it's a unique thing when you create something and then you have to create a market and a, a sign of value to what you do in your talent. Which is entrepreneurship, which is why I think, mo- like, they should probably have more of those classes I think than anything else like yeah do you think it's helpful to think of yourself whether you're a photographer or a DJ or a painter or a uh, writer of a book or a app developer as an a sole entity as a like this is my startup this is my business I think so um because I can say like even when I first started DJing I didn't think of it like that and then once I started to think of it that way like everything sort of changed like because then you're not so like yes you're still going to be focused on like the art of it but it makes it easier when you look at the other stuff like as a business (laughs) I actually think it it eases up on some things because then you start to be really intentional about why you would do something why you need photos for this or that why you need to pay somebody for this service like then everything starts to make a little bit more sense. But, yeah. like, as long as you're doing it with a sole artistic mind, it's really hard. But if you still keep this stuff, like, 70% and then get the 30 in order, it makes the 70 easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's really the hardest part. I don't know. There's always those flashpoints of frustrations. You don't seem to be too afraid of failure, though, at least of an idea or starting something <laughs> that just peters out and runs out of gas. Can you tell me a little bit about what it's like, how you've uh, addressed some things that didn't really work out great, Dre? When you're trying to impress the world now with everything you're doing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've had stuff that didn't work out. 
Um, you know, I had a startup before this one that I'm working on. I had one before that with um, with a partner, with a with a co-founder, and to be honest, like didn't go that great. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it was a great idea, but like you know, a series of events happened and like things didn't work out. And I don't know, I, like I didn't really feel like it was like sometimes I looked back and I was like, dang, like I feel like that was so much time, like that I. Yeah, I don't, like, like you wasted time. Wasted, yeah, but like then now as I'm now as I'm building what I'm currently building, which is you know quite a bit different than what we were working on. Um, there still was so much that I gained out of that process, and like I had to look at it like that because it really was like just around like managing like people and personalities and all that stuff. Like I think has like way 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 better like you know made me equipped to deal with some of the stuff that I'm dealing with now and yeah. I didn't I don't even think I realized that really at the time so. yeah how do you uh I hope this doesn't sound like a dad stupid question because <laughs> I always frame it that way and I'm just uh, but we I've had uh one of the guests that's coming up uh, we did her podcast earlier but she's she came up through the radio industry and it was just like a Boys Club and all this other stuff. Have you found like points in the entrepreneurial space where it's like, I'm feeling kind of this brushback, and it's something about being a woman or being a woman of color or whatever it might be. Is that is that been any obstacles for you? Um. Yeah. So yes. Can we get real about that? Because yeah. Um. I think the hardest thing for me I have found in. It doesn't matter if it's my startup or even if it's on, you know, the my emergent holding side of stuff where I'm still in the ecosystem. The ecosystem is just still like super white, very male, and to be honest, kind of old. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. um in those environments, like every single time, like if I'm going to like a summit for like venture funds or like angel funds or whatever, it is, there is a 99% chance that I am going to be the only one in that room who looks anything like me. Right. (laughs) But like, there's a good chance I might be the only woman. Sometimes there's a few sprinkled, but like the number is really small. I'm definitely always the youngest person there. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably for sure the only black person there. Yeah, I'm yeah. probably the only any other thing. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Yeah. So it does like it doesn't usually bother me, but there are times like where I've had to like legit have a little pep talk with myself, like in the bathroom, <laughs> like, okay, like this is not that big of a deal. Like you're supposed to be here. You know, yeah, like, but right. it is that feeling of like like you just it's like you're the one thing in the room that's like the big red button that doesn't quite like fit in with everything else and that's something that i think that all i think all i'm putting myself in the front of that line is just to be aware that like we the we just have the privilege of not being thinking about that stuff yeah it's just not think about it all the time yeah and that's an, an amazing uh if more people realize that i think that would be helpful for all of us, just from many different perspectives. But do you ever find it to be an advantage? Like, because people will look at you. Yeah, and when I mean, you do speak you're definitely up, they're more like, noticeable. What's, what's this? Uh, <laughs> well, but then when you double down with your, your expertise, your passion, and your knowledge, you're like, oh, okay, now, now it's well, about what you're thing. saying. Yeah, so, like, so it, you, it always starts out setup. as this, like, 
why is she here? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, like then when I start like talking about like what we're doing and explaining things and then when they realize like I can make decisions on stuff, yeah. then it's like, oh, okay, cool. So she does have a reason to be here. But it's always that like, it's never assumed that I'm there for a reason <laughs> until I start to say things. And yeah. then they're like, oh, she's actually smart. <laughs> like, like, oh, gee, thank you. Yes, yeah. you should probably What about me? What, was, what was it about me that might have projected that, yeah. that that wouldn't be come to fruition? But know, yeah, I've you? had people after meetings all the time like, oh, my God. Like, you're very intelligent. <laughs> like, it's some kind of shock. Like, okay. Like, I didn't I'm come say that to you. because I... <laughs> It is. Bias is a thing, and it's hard. And if you're not intentional about breaking it, then it's going to continue to be a thing. Yeah. So even just tiny conversations like that with somebody that someone else may have made a lot sure. of assumptions about, then that helps to break down those things. And it happens one by one where, you know, you don't. And many years ago, bring us to Detroit, is I started a portrait project in Detroit like seven years ago and did a Kickstarter campaign. And I started to meet a lot of entrepreneurs and artists and people who had recovered from addiction and just like the whole side of hardcore Detroiters mm-hmm. that aren't leaving. They love the city. And this was six, seven years ago when the city was not yeah. in the place that it is now. It was starting to percolate a little bit. But um, I'm really interested in your east-west perspective because you're from South Haven area. Mm-hmm. You've lived in Grand Rapids. You've lived full-time for a few years, a couple of years in Detroit, or mm-hmm. maybe still, I'm sure you're back and forth a ton. All the time. <laughs> what are, you, are there any takeaways? Because there's, we're, you know, we talk about bridge building all the time between the east-west Michigan gap of Detroit yeah. and Grand Rapids. So what's your impression of living hardcore in each city? And, yeah. you know, not just you're not there for a weekend to party. You're, like, doing business there and you yeah. living there. Yeah. Um, and my connection with Detroit, actually, so most of my family, I have a lot of family there. And my parents actually lived there before they moved to South Haven. They moved to South Haven because they didn't want us to grow up there. Oh, got it. Because <laughs> yeah. they moved, like, I think it would have been my older brother was born there. So I think they moved in, like, 79 or yeah. 80 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so that's the so main reason why they straight up just there. wanted, were not raising a family. In yeah, Detroit. my dad My yeah. dad grew up there. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, he had... So I would have had an uncle, but he got shot, like, when my dad was in college. Like, he just was not here for the idea of, you know, us growing up, like, in the inner city. So He was shot and killed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I've never met that uncle before. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so they were like, nope, we're, we're not doing this. <laughs> and uh, my dad ended up getting a job, like, in the South Haven area. And so that's all I know. But we, I mean, we used to spend summers in Detroit with, like, relatives. Like, my grandmother lived there. Um, so the move wasn't, like, a hard move. Right. And, uh, but, yeah, the, the two places are very different. Um, and I always say that, like, there's everything that I hate about Grand Rapids is, like, what Detroit, like, has Everything I hate about Detroit <laughs> is like what Grand Rapids has. And so I do wish that the two could get together a little bit better. Um, Can you go specifically into some of those yeah. things that are like those two or three things that's like, oh, I hate this about Grand Rapids, but I, I have my own, but yours. Yeah. So Grand Rapids is um, the same. It's almost like everything is is like this push-pull, like, kind of relationship with things that I love about it and hate about it. So the, like, the conservative nature about Grand Rapids, which largely comes from, like, religion and stuff here, um, 
while that's annoying for me as a creative, because sometimes it just seems like like people are always trying to like not let you spread your wings and fly the way you want to. <laughs> um, it also, I think, is what contributes to people being relatively nice. You know, I don't even, West if, Michigan even nice. if it's fake, yeah. like at least, you know, they're they're nice, yeah. you know. Um, but it is sometimes a veneer. Oh, for sure. It's like in 100%. the South. It's like where they're like, hey, sweetie. You yeah. know, everyone's like, there's yeah. just a cultural thing. That's like, we like, know it's BS, but at least, like, right. at least, you know, people are no, trying. They're, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's all <laughs> like, fake, but I, the, there is that quote about West Michigan nice. Oh, you know, for sure. oh, you're just being nice. You won't tell me the real problem. You'll make up right. another problem that doesn't hurt your feelings type of nice. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, I think that same that same conservatism and that same like the like the religious side of things is what gives people this false sense of everything is awesome. When in reality, it's awesome for some people, but it's not necessarily awesome for everyone yeah. here. Um, whereas, like, I think you know, a larger city like Detroit, like, there's problems that are obvious. People know about it. People talk about it. No one's stupid. Like, it's right in your face. Just like, you see around, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And um, what I what I love personally, like as a creative, um, I have never been anywhere in the world that I think inspires me like as much as Detroit always has. Like it doesn't matter. Um, like I've DJed in places all over the world. Like there's still like Detroit is still hands down my favorite place to play. Um, it's my favorite place to like consume other creative things because so much just comes like out of nothing. So it's so authentic right. and so real. And a lot of times it's mostly my friends doing the stuff too, which yeah. makes it even more awesome. Like yeah. when you can see people that, you know, I've known for a long time who like I've seen them go like from here to here, like it's right. crazy. So I don't know. I, I appreciate that, that you can, you can do a lot with very little, and because there's not as many rules to things right. and as many regulations and this and that, like right. you can legit like kind of make the world as you want it to be for now. Yeah. That's starting to change. Well, were you going to contrast that with something with the? Uh, so Detroit's the most inspiring place. Yeah. Um, the frustrating part about Detroit, uh, for obvious reasons, is like just the plain just the, the messed up infrastructure of yeah. things. And I don't mean like physical infrastructure, although that is definitely part of it, but it is the, is the you know, you're seeing a broken city. Like the, yeah. the, sh the, literal, the literal infrastructure of the city has failed people. And I used to tell people like, you can find out everything you want to know about Detroit and why it will piss you off sometimes, no matter how much you love it, just by try to do one thing, execute one thing uh, at the county building. Like if you just go in there and you just see the chaos <laughs> and the craziness yeah. and the inefficiency and like the lack of process and all that, like it will, it will literally blow your mind. Yeah. Um, and it's gotten better, but it's still really challenging. And you can tell it makes everything that people have to do there hard. So you have to come up with workarounds for everything. So what right. you're seeing in Detroit is like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people coming up with workarounds for their everyday life. And then all of a sudden now they're like, wait, no, we're putting rules in place. And people are like, wait, whoa, what? Like this whole time. <laughs> Where were you 15 yeah, years like, ago? Yeah, like we've been living was, like this. Yeah. And now you're trying to tell us that we have to do it differently. Well, are you putting other things in place to make sure that like, you know, this is going to happen responsibly and all that. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's, 
it's but that lack of it, it makes a, it's such a time and talent and energy suck too when you when you have to plan half your morning, you know, from nine mm-hmm. to one o'clock to get through whatever you need to do at the county building or wherever other oh, entities, sure. and those things just double down on your efficiency in life, be it work, be it whatever. Yeah, little things like a you know, a, a ticket that you can't pay. Yeah. Like, I've had my share of parking tickets <laughs> in Detroit and it is not yeah. fun trying yeah. to get those. Yeah. And then I would wonder if I'd send in a check for it or whatever. It's like, I wonder if it that's... It might not get there. It you might just don't not, know. You, just, you don't know. And that's like, <laughs> a, well, what if I get another ticket and then uh, four months later, my car's booted. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, I sent in that. It doesn't matter. And, um, but the other part of that was... Yeah, the other part of it is just the inst- the systems that are broken that you have alluded to. But really, it's around people and the educational mm-hmm. system. So we have these same outcomes that happen not just in Detroit, but I think everywhere in Grand Rapids, too. We have mm-hmm. systems Any that urban are... Any urban environment, I think, is largely facing the same issues right now. It just depends on what extreme it was. Um, but yeah, for sure, like... Going back to the crack epidemic of the 80s and yeah. then like economic downturn, you know, especially in Michigan for the automotive industry, like all you need to do is just put those two things together. You don't yeah. even have to take the other stuff. Yeah. Like those two things are going to have catastrophic, like, you yeah. know, outcomes for any city. It wouldn't matter where it was. Yeah. It's like, it's, I don't know why I thought of this because it's a dumb metaphor, but it's like if you have a dryer, a clothes dryer, that's working great and it's tumbling around mm-hmm. and it's everything's fine. But if you take a brick and toss it in there, yeah. it's going to just uh, create chaos and eventually it's going to break down. Yep. It feels like any one of those things was a turn in the automotive uh, disinvestment in Michigan, uh, the economy crashing. And then you have largely unskilled workforces that are coming out of educational systems that are broken. Yeah it's set it up for Detroit, which to yep. me is a metaphor for like the, you know, it's America just through, uh, what, I don't know. It's, it's just, there's no place like it, but there's also a place I've, there's very few places I've ever felt that sort of connection. I was yeah. born on that side of the state. I didn't live there for very long, but at the same time, I still have family and in-laws over there and I have done a lot of creative stuff over there. But, there is a vibe to the people that I just mm-hmm. love that you can't really replicate anywhere else in the country. Even yeah. really diverse environments like New York or L.A. It's just yeah, it's something, just different. It's, yeah. Detroit has its own signal. The people, it's like its own antenna that I love. Yep. So Grand Rapids, what's great about Grand Rapids? And Grand Rapids, you find a pothole on a street, you know exactly who to call and how to get a fix. Like, <laughs> like it's really that simple. I mean, like most of us like know the mayor personally. Right. Like that. Like it's yeah. those kinds of things like make it just so much easier to get stuff done. Like if you if you are looking for a grant for something, chances are like you can probably call somebody and somebody can tell you what that is and yeah. who you need to or talk to. Or they have to. the connection to it. Yeah, it's to like, make oh, it uh, you want me to introduce you? To yeah. you? I'll, I'll send an email. Yeah. I'll CC you on it. And, and part of that is because of the size of Grand Rapids too. Like I'm mm-hmm. fully well aware of that. But um, they're, they're, the infrastructure part is in place here. It's, I think the challenges is how do you plug yourself into that infrastructure. And I think from what I have seen as a non-Grand Rapids native, but having spent quite a while here, it seems to be, it's difficult for people to do that. I think when they, 
have always lived here. Because I feel like when I moved here, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's again that like didn't know what I was doing. Right. But I know what I'm trying to do. So whatever. Like I didn't have any I didn't really have like preconceived notions about it. Yeah. But I think when you've always been in a place, you still have that like structure. You're dealing with the structures of what you what you are perceived to be able to easily do versus like something that you're blocked out of. And I've noticed that that is a thing here. Like a lot of people feel like they just that they can't. And I didn't feel like that because I wasn't from here. Right. But, like, if I had been, like, I easily could have been like that, too. So Just the mindset. Yeah, like, like ah, I get I it. I can't really try mm-hmm. that. Well, that's amazing because you're in this, you're in this startup ecosystem with not just um, your main efforts with Blue Cross, Blue Shields, but you have other, other startups. Talk about those commonalities, though, between music for you and your own art and that as a business and your your tech firms and your startups. Like, where is all that pointing? Are there is there that overlap of like yeah. DNA that's all twisted together from from Dre? You know, what part of that is all you? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, on the music side of things, I I know what it's like to be like a touring musician with a management company who's managing stuff for you and like booking agent who's managing stuff for you and all these pieces and parts of things that um, they're hard to manage, even when you do have somebody managing some stuff. And um, mostly what I was trying to figure out, I'm just like, if... It's been, I don't want to say it's been easier for me to figure it out, but I can tell, like, being, like, with my other musician friends, I think it's been easier for me to figure some things out, but I think that's only because, like, I had some experience and stuff in business and, like, on the tech side. So I would, like, make things easier for myself by using those tools. But a lot of musicians don't do that, and it's not their fault. It's just because, like, if you're not exposed to that other side of the world. We're even like, curious about it. I think yeah, a lot like, of a lot that? of people are like, I don't there's a reason I just want to create yeah, music. Yeah. You know, it's not <laughs> that I want to be a business person. But I think some people are suited to both mindsets. You know, they can be yeah. super creative and they can also be super business focused. So it's just been a goal of mine to consider all of that over the time as I've grown, you have to pay more attention to that. But specifically relating that I didn't mean yeah. to cut you off, oh, but no, like no. from music to tech you have a business mindset, but your end goals with technology. So talk about the technology itself. Like you, yeah. you do coding. Do you do coding and stuff like that? Yeah, or? not so much anymore, but I yeah. do um, I do some stuff. So uh, where these two things kind of overlap. So it's like I've noticed the frustrations and everything, you know, on the side of the musician and what like the real problems are. And one of the main issues, and I talked to, I think, what, like 72 Uh, musicians and bands over the last like six months Um, and there was a very common theme (laughs) that kind of overlapped and and that was okay I have all this stuff like social stuff and um, stuff from you know my distribution company and stuff from my label and they're like and we don't really know what is going on like I actually had like a couple people I was like okay so come over today like we'll sit down um, we'll go to Star Garden I'm like bring me all your stuff I'm like and let me look at it. I'm like you tell me what you do and do not understand so they just like bring this stuff I don't know if anyone has ever seen what it looks like when you have a distribution deal you get sent a spreadsheet at the end of every month and it makes absolutely no sense unless you look at spreadsheets all the time, which right. only if you were in business <laughs> would you ever do that. <laughs> so 
So largely, like, I'm on this, I'm on this quest right now of helping musicians basically, one, like, get all their data in one place, and two, help them to understand it, and then to be able to make some decisions based on that data for anything from, you know, when do you do releases, when do you... Um, you know, when do you decide to post things on social media? And then a step further from that is like starting to automate that process. So using AI to be able to have like actual suggestions served up to them, like here's the places where you should think about doing a show in the next six months based sure. on who your audience is that yeah. you can talk to and helping to facilitate that relationship between venues and brands and all that too. So that's great. Yeah. Um, as an entrepreneur, on the music side and the business side, where you were alluding earlier when we were before we got shooting that there's there's definitely an intertwining of them and an end goal yeah. and a commonality. So speak to that because that's a forward thinking vision that you're just not getting plowed over like a bulldozer every day with daily tasks. Like you you've set a goal out of whatever that yeah. might be that you're gonna tell me about now. Yeah. But like um <laughs> You know, that idea of, like, I'm not just trying to get through 2019. I've right. got, I'm getting to 2029 or 20, whatever your yeah. goal is. Yeah. So tell me about your goal setting and how all your efforts relate and sort of gel together. Yeah. So I think I would say I probably spent the majority of, like, my, the beginning of my career being really intentional about, like, partitioning myself out of like what side of people of what side of myself that I wanted people to see and to be honest that is extremely exhausting yeah um I have found and and I also realized that there's really no real reason to do it because all these things tied together are what like make Dre Dre so um you know with the music tech startup like I would love for that to be the you know at least the majority of my end game it's Music is something that I'm extremely passionate about, but I realized like I don't necessarily feel like touring for the rest of my life either. Yeah. I love making music, and I also love the idea of making things easier for artists um, and also really making things easier for labels and brands and stuff too to find the right people at the right time and all that. So those two things tie together like very easily. Um, trying to do a startup, especially a tech startup, is extremely intimidating unless you understand the ecosystem. Well, I understand the ecosystem because of my day job. So right. I spend a lot of time in it. I know like a lot of the people at venture funds and angel funds and all that. So that also directly ties into it. Um, it's, and then, like a, it's like a freight train of ideas yeah. coming through. <laughs> Choo-choo. Got a nice train. <laughs> but you were talking about that you know the ecosystem of startups. Yeah. You know that. And that applies um how how do you want to pick that up yeah i mean that directly helps me with my startup um like i think of if i did not have that piece of knowledge like if i hadn't worked in that like for the last few years like it's got to be extremely challenging for people like i get why most startups don't make it there's so much that you don't know and having access to that kind of information like everything from understanding like uh, you know, funds that the state can offer you, you know, for starting like a technology sure. business or, you know, how to engage with people. Like I see pitches constantly. So I know what makes a good one and I know what makes a terrible one. <laughs> like, right, right. Things like that are not things that most people have access to. So that definitely helps me on that side of things. Um, and then the, so the fourth thing I've got going on this year, I'm actually co-chair of a design conference called Midwest UX. 
And it's mostly focused on uh, user experience design, but also uh, incorporates like service design and program design, experience design. So it's really like the full gamut of how do you make things that interact with people. Um, and this is the first time where I've been involved in, 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 in you know, a multi-day event of this scale. And I wanted largely to really understand like the background of that, obviously, while being passionate about design too. Mm -hmm. But I think understanding how do you even pull something like that off has been an extremely valuable experience because on that music tech uh, side of things, um, how I have the business model right now, there's a good portion of it that's going to be very event-based. So like this is, while I have thrown events before, I've never thrown anything of this magnitude. Sure. So this also kind of feeds into that and helps me understand like the back end of things. Um, you know, frankly, like without a lot of the risk, you know, for me, like it helps right. me understand it uh, better and how to like have an event that's good that people can interact with that they really love. Yeah. Um, and then the fifth thing, I have a, We're running out of a spirits fingers. company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's only five is all I can handle. I tell people, like, don't give me six. Five is all I can do in 2019. Um, but yeah, I've actually, um, I'm a partner in a, in a spirits company called Motu Vijay Spirits. And uh, our first release actually will be out in just a few weeks. And that is a sparkling wine. It's a brute sparkling wine. You guys had a great launch. I, it was yeah, everywhere yeah. and it looked like an amazing day. How did that come about? Yeah, because you have great. some interesting partners in there. Some of them I, I would love to have on the podcast at yeah. some point. But um, but yeah, how how did you get into the uh, sparkling wine slash champagne slash prosecco slash yeah. <laughs> uh, whatever world it is? Yeah. So um, so I have some friends of mine actually that I uh, Jonathan Jelks, who I met when I first moved here. Um, I shoot in what 2005 or something like that when I first moved to Grand Rapids he was one of the first people that I met we've been friends ever since and we used to always say like we're going to work together one day but we're both always like we both do a lot of stuff yeah. <laughs> like a lot of entrepreneurial yeah. things and like finally we figured out something we're like yeah like we can totally do this so it's uh, myself um, Jonathan uh, Jamil Robinson and uh, Willie Jackson, who most people know is Willie the Kid. He's quite a successful uh, music artist who um, is originally from Grand Rapids, lives down in Atlanta now. And um, sorry, was that me or you? <laughs> I think it was me. I don't know. Actually, it was me. Oh, <laughs> sorry. He's a, so Willie the Kid. Yeah. So um, yeah. So it's it's us like really deciding like what can we what can we do in Grand Rapids that like helps add to like helps add to like the cool factor that is also something that's locally produced, um, locally sourced. Uh, we're actually the partnership we're working with St. Julian's. They do all of like the yeah. production they're, and bottling and everything yeah, for us. And they have, winery, yeah. yeah, long history here. Down by um, your neck of the woods mm -hmm. too. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, long history here, like in the state of Michigan, um, and Motu Vijay means strength and activity, which is the Grand Rapids city motto. And so we kind of wanted to do something that was a direct tie back into the city we live in. So. Yeah. And it's all minority partners, which is, you know, you don't see many of that, especially in like the luxury beverage sort of, uh, I, maybe that's the wrong term, luxury, any um, 
You know, I think it's hard to but like, yeah, like, create a, an alcohol like distribution company of your product, and then there is. I mean, yeah. there's a reason why we know about Ciroc because of Diddy yeah. and Duce yeah. because of Jay Z because there's not a lot of them. <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so this sparkling wine is the one that we're starting out with first, and then when, we're, we got when, our eye on some other. So releases. let me talk about that for a second because you, uh, mm-hmm. when did the idea for that come? Like, what crazy? Like, who said it first? And like, you know, I think we need <laughs> like, or did it come out of organically? Like, tell me about the. The genesis of that to like just a couple weeks ago you're unpopping yeah. and you're premiering it so yeah so this is the interesting thing that I and this is why I think there should always be diversity in the people that you work with um, the workforce too or whatever but even how you decide to partner with people because the one thing that I will say um, and I feel like I'm usually working with guys a lot <laughs> anyway but the, the thing that I really appreciate about working with guys sometimes, I think that I've noticed, is there's a, they have much more of like a, it's like an impetuousness of like, yep, this is the idea, execute, 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 let's just get it done. Like, and it happens so fast sometimes that I'm like, whoa, wait, like there's details that we've yeah, got to we like. talk about how, time. We, <laughs> yeah. how we felt about things. Right? Yeah, so like, <laughs> it's funny, like John and I, um, you know, over the last, like, probably couple years, like, just, like, either, you know, talking about business or working on stuff together, it's an interesting relationship because he's so, like, let's just do it, let's just get it done. And I'm, like, the, whoa, like, there's details, like, and it's all about the details. So we got to, like, tie these two things together. So it's been interesting that, uh, you know, first when, I think it was Will that actually originally came up with the idea because he mm-hmm. was like, yeah, you know, I want to do something, like, you know, and I had heard, like, they were talking about it, and John came to me, and was we, we were discussing it. He was like, yeah, he's like, we're going to do the spirits thing. And I was like, well, wait. Like, so I started asking all these questions. Mm-hmm. And then we just decided, like, yeah, well, like, I'm just going to be part of the business, too. <laughs> so, right. yeah, so then um, I made an investment and all that. And since then, it's, to be honest, like, things actually rolled pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's been a, a great, a great relationship. Like, I like the way that we kind of vibe off of one another and you know when it comes to like a lot of like the business stuff and like keeping stuff tight that's when they're just like Dre just let Dre do her thing (laughs) like we're not gonna get in your way (laughs) yeah well that's cool it was cool to see that it could happen that quickly you know Mm -hmm. especially with a partnership before you can sort of uh, distribute your expertise across that launch or whatever it might be everyone contributed their own sort of like uh, perspective and acumen around it right so Mm -hmm. uh but yeah, I was so, and it also seemed to me, and I'm not, um, I'm not downtown as much as I used to be, but that came out of nowhere for me in a great way. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah. These people, well, <laughs> like sparkling wine produced here and it's uh, about Grand Rapids and it's like from GR and all these people. That just was like a great launch. So the next step yeah. is what? More distribution, getting shelf space or like yeah, we're so- trying to figure out how to far to scale production, right? Yep. So next step, um, actually, so it will be in Meyer stores in about four weeks. Which is no easy task, by the way. Yeah. Like, yep. if you could just draw it out, like, oh, we'll just be in Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so much competition for shelf space. And, yeah. like, just, especially in the wine and liquor categories, like, uh, yeah. it's a, that's a huge feather in your cap. Yeah, it's great. So um, that happens in about four weeks. And then, you know, from there, we'll be expanding... Out. So there's uh, quite a few like um, event partnerships and stuff that we'll have throughout the summer. 
Um, we're sponsoring some things. Um, and then the next step, you know, a little bit further out, I know the guys want to go faster, but I'm always like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> um, will be that uh, we've got our eyes on a different sparkling wine, most likely probably a sparkling rosé. So nice. yeah. That's a hugely Which popular love, category. Love yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, cool. I... Um, yeah, that's that's was a cool thing, and it was, seems an extension of everything. Like when I was like, uh, Dre's involved with sparkling wine, and I was like, well, that seems out of left field, and it's really not at it's all. Really it's not. just another startup. <laughs> yeah. there, you have to be. Uh, it's the same application of whether you want to be a successful DJ or launch a particular type of uh, product like a sparkling wine or an entrepreneur in that space. It really is uh, all parts of the same you and brain that's going to drive that. And it's really it is, driven yeah. around the excellence. The other thing that I thought about it was this is going to be a great product because I don't think any of those people, and I only know, I know Jonathan a little bit, mm-hmm. and I know you better than him, but uh, I just knew that uh, you weren't going to do anything that wasn't excellent, you know? Yeah, I'm extremely particular <laughs> about things. Yeah. <laughs> Like everything from, um, and they know this too. Like that's where they're like, this is great that like you're on the team because like I do pay attention to like those details because I'm like, everything is important. Everything from like what the label looks like to what the foil is like on the bottle. Like all those things are extremely, even how the rollout is like, who gets invited and who yeah. does this, who does that? Like, what are the other things served there, at the party the or whatever? Yeah. I, was, <laughs> yeah. I didn't see the invite, but that's it's a not, small that's place. A, yeah, it's a, it was a very small <laughs> patio where it was launched. I will yeah. give you that. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it was exciting to see that. And now uh, the push behind it, it seems like there's still a, uh, there's still quite a, there was such an impact that there's yeah. still some puddles going out and you're just really getting started. So that's yeah. cool. Exciting. Uh, anything else you're really excited about within your current other four projects that are sort of like that, or are they all in that sort of cooking phase? Um, so I think really it's, um, I would say like outside of, you know, my day job, which, you know, that stuff, you, it becomes so ingrained that it's almost like autopilot. Right. Um, the stuff that I'm working on outside of that, my two, my, I would say probably my main focus is still like my music tech startup. Um, and mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned the name, but it's called Fortify. And the, the, what I'm mostly going to be focused on here over the next about six months is um, in order to make this automated process work that I've come up with, I need more data. So a lot of that will be spent um, acquiring data, seeing what I can get for free, um, also mm-hmm. finding out what I need to pay for. Yeah. Um, and then I have some pitch competitions coming up myself um, to possibly just get like, you know, a little bit of funding so I can add more to the engine. Right. The more that's in the engine, the better results, you know, that I'll get. It's more so, horsepower. Yeah. Well, and, and talk to a minute because I, I think people have a misconception about grants and pitch competitions and sort of like, oh, oh catalyst grants or whatever you want to call them. Just getting prepared to mm-hmm. enter a grant competition or do a pitch, it's as much a part of your job as like developing the business. Like you have to For be sure. finding those grants, contact info, deadlines, writing things that sort of skew your idea f- to help speak to what maybe the grants goals are. Yeah. You know, there's that whole, so what is your strategy other than just like, I am committed to spending time to get um, more seed money? Yeah. I mean, that's honestly now some of the times that I'm spending at home, 
um, you know, on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, and I'm on my laptop, like, researching, like, what's out there, finding other companies. I haven't really found any startups that are doing what I'm trying to do uh, on the music side of things, but uh, there's some that the model might be the same in another industry, and I try to look at, like, okay, well, who did they pitch to and, like, how did they do it and try to understand, like, where the overlaps and stuff might be. Um, But, yeah, in general, the Internet is a great resource. Like, (laughs) and I tell people all the time, like, the information's out there. Like, really all you have to do is look for it. There's tons of YouTube videos that teach you how to do everything from, you know, a 20-minute pitch to one that's 60 seconds. So, I mean, part of what I think entering those things is important, especially especially as a startup, and I think especially, like, if you're a female-founded startup, I think is to do as many of those as you can, um, but intentionally. Don't just, like, like a shot in the dark or whatever. Be intentional about the ones that you're doing and try to win all of them, but be intentional about the ones that you're doing and do them because usually putting together the pitch will help you stress test the business model stuff like because you're not going to be able to pitch to somebody for 15 minutes and just skip over what the value proposition is or like what the analysis is for the market Mm -hmm. or like when do you think you'll be profitable even if it's made up like (laughs) all those things still need to happen in order for you to get from point a to point b with anybody it doesn't matter like who it is so preparing for those competitions actually helps right. you flesh that stuff out, which I think is well, really good. Well, when I submitted for just a, a simple thing through the Star Garden 100 where they give out, they award $1,000 each to 100 ideas. Mm-hmm. And just writing that helped yeah. me formulate it. And through that process, it's like just putting it down and articulating it yep. in words out on a keypad challenges you're thinking about it because otherwise everything seems like this great abstract idea yeah and if you can't probe it and test it as you're writing it it's probably not a very good idea or if it falls (laughs) apart that quickly you're like i'll cancel my submission form yeah well and that's the whole point of it is like okay can does this person know their idea well enough that they can explain it in 90 seconds yeah okay cool if they get past that point what you get a thousand dollars like and you're essentially using that a thousand dollars to like get your life in order (laughs) before the real thing that you're demoing on demo day um and yeah i mean it's there's a process but there's a process for the reason like a process for a reason that help that helps you figure out the 90 second pitch then from then on you can use that hopefully that thousand dollars to like get your get the broader stuff in order which means you might have to meet with some people and you might have to buy some materials and stuff like that so for you personally i mean you seem to be interested in a lot of different things you have your you know five major projects in 2019 alone Uh, does anything for you replace just the hustle and grind of getting at it every day. You mentioned, you know, researching late at night on a Tuesday. It's like it mm-hmm. doesn't stop, but align <laughs> that with passion. You know, yeah. I mean, would you do anything else? Um, I, I do think that I would like to, I, I always say, like, I'm on a sprint in 2019. Like, I have a purpose for everything that I'm doing. And part of that purpose is to not be doing all of these things forever, or at least, like, pair them back to the point where, you know, some things either phase out or they're just kind of like on autopilot and it's more like an oversee kind of thing. Um, but as far as like 
passions. Like I realized that, you know, even with the stuff with the startup, like versus the one that I was working on before, if you align things with things that you really like, like I love music. It will always be like my first love for things. So like it made absolutely no sense for me to be involved in a tech startup that didn't have something to do with music. Like yeah. that's like and when I really thought about it, because I had a really I had a real frustrating moment at like the end of last year just with like everything like I had just moved back here and I was exhausted and tired and everything just seemed crazy and things weren't quite like working the way that I wanted them to work and then I feel like the reason why was because I was doing stuff that that I shouldn't really have been doing like mm -hmm. it was like I had to be like remember who you are like these are the things you really love. These are the things you're really good at. Like, you're good at tech, you're good at music. Why are you not doing these two things together? So it helped me just kind of retool some of the stuff, you know, from the, from the previous idea that I was working on and then be like, no, like, this is the thing. And everything just, like, boom, came together so quickly. It just made sense. Yeah. So. Well, that's when, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's aligned with all your energy and, like, your yeah. central core, right? Because you... I think we all know pretty quickly that voice tells you when you're down an inauthentic path for yeah. yourself, you know, it sort of self-guides itself. Yep, that is true. Uh, last question about travel. Mm -hmm. You travel a bit. You try to get away a couple times a year. You try were to get me. away, yeah. So bucket list, either places that you would go back to in a heartbeat or places that are like your top two bucket list places. I want to go everywhere. Uh, <laughs> my main places I really want to go, I would like to go to the Maldives before climate change before destroys it's it. Underwater <laughs> yeah. entirely, yeah. I really want to go there. Um, and I really want to see the pyramids before those also get That's destroyed. That's on my list, too. I've been trying to go yeah. for 20 years to do yeah. a photo project. Yeah. And there was always like some horrible unrest or like a uh, tourist get killed in a bus. And I was like, I'm not going this year. Yeah. I mean, pretty honestly, yeah. pretty much everything like yeah. in the Middle East, I really want to see. Yeah, me too. Um, I still would really like to go to Israel. I'm hoping like for work reasons, actually, yeah, that I can kind of have a chance to, to get there. I want to see Jerusalem. Like I want to see Tel Aviv. Like I have um, some DJ friends who live there. Um, yeah. I mean, I have like, I don't know. I just, I want to do everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dre. Well, I really appreciate you coming in. I know that uh, we'll work on another project, a photo project for you. I can't wait to do yeah, down, yeah. down the road. That'll be cool. And uh, But I, I just love hearing all these different sides because it does inspire me. Uh, just like even starting this podcast, it's a, I don't have any revenue stream for this. Like, this mm -hmm. is a passion project that yeah. hopefully will get some legs and go. So the fact that you would come on and just share a little bit more about yourself and this is, is super cool so uh, i appreciate you coming in yeah thank you for having me you got it and next time uh, sparkling wine brand. yeah i know and i should have brought party, some. <laughs> i need an invite to the next big party absolutely all right thanks <laughs> well i hope to make it to that party one day but uh, that's andre i put out the energy out there I, I put out that sort of pathetic ask to be invited to uh no doubt what would be some cool parties coming up because everything that Dre does uh, turns out to be super cool. And um, anyway, you know, it's on you, Dre. I'm, I'm here waiting for the call and the email, the evite, whatever it is. You know, the more exclusive, the better. If you want a guy like me ruining everything, I'm the first to show up and um, kill the vibe. Anyway, 
Head out to fullexposurepodcast.com. Check out uh, Dre's episode page. I put some links there. You can find her on uh, social media. You can find and uh, check out a few other things she's involved in. And um, it's just a beautiful page to land on. Uh, read more about her bio. Um, see the portraits we shot in the studio. That's the whole premise of this podcast, man, as uh, people come to my neck of the woods here and uh, we do a portrait shoot and then we sit down and have a conversation so anyway um also if you are at all interested in partnering with us man do we have some big plans for this year to grow the podcast and uh, there's ways if we have some partnerships in place with people that we seem uh, to to vibe together and have a good fit uh, we could do a lot more and um, I'm just excited. I'm excited about our growth to this point. And um, just reach out to me and uh, we can talk about partnering on the podcast and really um, sort of push this thing uh, throughout 2019. And um, But most of all, just have a great week, man. Everybody, life's good. It's there for the taking. Let's, let's, just, uh, let's just slowly kind of just grind this out and have an awesome, awesome week, all right? Take care, everybody. <laughs>